Hello everyone, I'm T.D. Worthington, pastor of the Pathway Baptist Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, and this is Pathlight. We're so glad to have you tuned in today for the program, and indeed we hope you will stay tuned for today's entire message for the next 25 minutes or so as we study the Word of God together and enjoy a special time of fellowship. We're so glad that you are a part of our Pathway pathway family. Just before today's message, though, I've got a musical selection coming your way, kind of a message of testimony, and that is that those who come behind us might find us faithful in our testimony, faithful in our faith, faithful in our walk with the Lord. This is Steve Green. And 
May I ask you a question? Have you ever, have you ever in your entire life been betrayed? I would guess that all of us have at one time or another in some form or fashion. We've all been betrayed at one time or another. And I think you would agree with me as one of the most bitter experiences of life. Someone you loved pulled out a knife when you weren't looking and stabbed you right in the back. Betrayal rips apart your heart like nothing else. As anger and grief course through your entire being, you're left feeling used and cheated and sometimes even helpless. Betrayal can change your outlook on life permanently, especially if it's in the hands of a at the hands of an individual that's close to you. It can cause you to question your ability to really trust anyone again. And it can also cause you to question your own judgment. It can destroy your confidence in yourself. Shakespeare said it's the most unkindest, unkindest cut of all. Betrayal is serious because it destroys trust. And without trust, there can be no relationships. Without trust, society, families, and institutions, and most certainly marriages cannot function. Betrayal shakes a person to his core because it ruptures his ability to trust. Whether it's a spouse having an affair, a friend spilling your secrets, a co-worker sabotaging your career, or or someone destroying your reputation. Betrayal is one of the worst things you can do to someone else. It's so bad that Dante put it as the lowest level of hell itself, with the greatest betrayer of them all. Of course, that was Satan. Why did he make betrayal? Why did Dante make betrayal the worst sin, surpassing even rape and theft and murder? Well, I'm not sure exactly what was going on in his mind. But one reason must have been that betrayal is the intentional defilement of the greatest gift God has given to us. That gift, of course, is the very essence of God himself. It's love. Betrayal is a defilement of love. It's only fitting, therefore, that those who betray love are condemned to the realm furthest from love and where they can keep company with the greatest betrayer of them all, and that's Satan himself. What causes people to betray the trust that has been placed in them? Well, I don't have an exhaustive list for you this, uh, this day, but I would like to give you a few reasons for your consideration. First off, it could be excessive ambition or jealousy or greed or lust or passion. When a person will not control their vices, they, those vices will rule over him. An alcoholic or a drug addict will betray the trust placed in him because his addiction is overpowering. I've known of teenagers who would steal from their own parents to finance their drug habit. It's greater than any sense of loyalty, than any sense of integrity or honesty that we may have. A person's need to be wealthy and lead a luxurious life may cause him to steal or at least tempt him to steal or embezzle or misuse information given to him in confidence. Overpowering sexual attraction and uh, can cause a person to betray his marriage. So I said the first might be ambition or jealousy or greed or lust or passion. But there's another reason, and that might be a feeling that the betrayal is necessary to achieve a greater good. Betrayal in this instance is perhaps by the individual not considered evil, but good. 
a person may feel that in order to keep uh, another person, to help another person, it's okay to betray them. For an example, if you know of someone who's about to do something dangerous or illegal, you might report them to their parents or to authorities because you're wanting to help them. You're wanting to achieve a greater good. You're wanting to keep them of doing irrevocable harm to another. If you know of someone who was a traitor to his country or someone who intended to commit an act of terrorism, it certainly would be wise to betray their trust. If you have a friend that intends on doing something foolish or against the wishes of their parents or authorities or against the wishes of their spouse, you might feel justified in exposing their intentions. There's a third reason I'd like to mention today, and that is it could be because people like to prove that they know best. People like to think that they're smarter than other people, and sometimes that leads them to betray. Some people like to play with others' minds and manipulate lives just to, just to stir up a bit of trouble. People like to think that they're smarter than the people they're betraying, so somehow that makes them feel it must be okay. If you're dumb enough to let me betray you, then, well, serves you right. Often this is deception, and it might even be satanic deception. Remember, knowing what is best for yourself or even best for someone else is only half the responsibility. You also have to know how to present it. If I, I may know what's best for you, but I, know, I need to know how to present that to you in a way that's not betraying you or, or, or showing myself superior to you. I've got to know how to present it to you. If you're tempted to betray someone because you think they don't understand what you're going through or, or they don't understand the situation, you need to make sure you do everything you can to let them know what you're going through, to help them understand before you go through with something as devastating as betrayal. Give them a chance. Uh, surely you at least owe them that much. The act of betrayal can be driven by a lot of things, and these things can push people, even close as family, to act against you for their own personal reasons, even if it means causing you great pain. Stories of betrayal have gone back as far as the start of mankind itself. No matter the reasons, one thing is clear. The act of betrayal has consequences for both parties involved. Biblically, we remember the story of Cain and Abel. The biblical story shows how jealousy can cause a person to become irrational and take a course of action that under normal circumstances would never be considered. Uh, in Genesis chapter number 4, we read of uh, the reasons that sprouted what soon came to be Cain's betrayal of his brother. The Bible says in Genesis 4 verses 3 through 5, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Again, that's Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5. This section of Scripture shows how Cain is jealous of the Lord's acceptance of his brother's offering of the firstborn of his flock. Yet the Lord does not receive Cain's offering of the fruit that he's cultivated. This event serves as a somewhat of a catalyst for Cain's unspeakable crime as it forms the jealousy between him and his brother. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and to thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Again, that's Genesis 4, 
this time, verses 6 and 7. The Lord tells Cain not to be jealous of his brother. If you'll do well, God says, you'll be accepted too. Despite the Lord's loving words to Cain, his jealousy continues to build up to the point that he rises up against his brother and murders him, an ultimate act of betrayal. Cain's envy of his brother has overtaken him to the point that he felt the need to betray his brother in the worst way possible by taking his life. This is not the only example of betrayal that's found in the Bible. We could talk of Absalom. We could talk of Simon Peter. Remember Simon Peter? Peter, Peter's betrayal was only temporary, but thank the Lord he quickly repented. But it also shows us some other causes of betrayal. With Peter, it was probably a combination of fear and hanging around with the wrong crowd. He's hanging around with a worldly crowd around that campfire that night. And he's deserted other believers. And many times when we start hanging around the wrong crowd and desert the church, many times we're tempted to betray those we love also. Then, of course, we have Judas. Judas's betrayal of Jesus shows how deception and greed drives even the closest people to you and encourages them to betray. Judas was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, if you remember, one of his closest followers and confidants. But being in that inner circle of the Messiah was apparently not enough for Judas, for he betrayed his master for silver. Luke 22, verses 3 through 5. The Bible says, Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priest and the captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. Judas had a desire for wealth and power that overtook him, leading to his betrayal of Jesus. Even though he was one of the twelve disciples, his personal desire was more powerful than his companionship and loyalty. He ultimately betrays Jesus with a kiss. Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Luke 22, verse number, number 48. Judas betrays him with a kiss. A normally what we might consider to be a sign of affection and not violence. Although Judas didn't crucify Jesus, he was the one who gave up his position so that he might be captured and executed. Judas was supposed to be one of Jesus' followers and have faith that he was the Messiah. Yet his desire for wealth and power had caused him to give up what he believed for money. For money. He wanted money. I think Judas also wanted power. There's many that believe that Judas was honestly surprised when Jesus was taken. He had seen Jesus' power. He had seen his authority. And of course, Jesus displayed that to some degree that night when the soldiers came for them and they all fell backwards, if you remember. I think Judas was feeling that I want to rule and reign with Christ. He's talked about us ruling and reigning and I want that to happen right now. But Jesus seems intent to go to the cross. So what I want to do, I'm going to force his hand here. When these soldiers come after him to take him away, Jesus is going to wipe them all out. He's going to set up himself as king and and I'll be ruling with him. So I think in his case, it was more than, well, more than just money. I think he wanted that power that was associated also. So he betrayed the sinless Son of God. Are you a betrayer? Betrayers form an awful lot of people, I'm afraid, and you don't want to be in with that number. 
In secular history, we remember studying the life of Judas, uh, Judas uh, Julius Caesar, how he was betrayed. The events of his death show how betrayal can be caused by a want for power, just like probably with Judas, because he was murdered by his own senators at a meeting in a hall next to Pompey's theater. If you remember, Caesar was stabbed multiple times by his own council. They were driven to conspire against Caesar because their authority was dwindling because his authority was increasing. They saw his increased power and popularity, and they, they did not like that. They wanted the power that they once held before Caesar had taken the throne. The conspiracy against Caesar encompassed as many as 60 noblemen, including his own protege, Marcus Brutus. Remember that? Marcus Brutus was a very close friend of Caesar, yet helped lead the plot to murder Caesar. The desire for power was so strong that even politicians close to Caesar still carried out his murder. When Caesar saw that Brutus was a part of the attack, he covered his face and muttered his final words. Remember that? E too, Brutus, ye too, Brutus, you too, my child, he says. This shows how disheartened Caesar was when he saw that one of those close to him, perhaps one of his closest friends, Brutus, was taking a part in his murder. It's likely that many times in life, you too, just like me, will find ourselves betrayed. And it's hard. It's difficult. But it's important to learn to deal with betrayal in a godly fashion. Let us also hope and pray that we'll always have faithful friends, that we'll always have faithful family that we can call upon and count on no matter what. Particularly during times of betrayal, it's good to look around you and say, well, at least I can still count on you. At least I can still count on you. At least you're still by my side. Sometimes, many times actually, Pastors have gone through this. I've seen pastors seemingly betrayed by entire churches before. How hard it is when that happens, when they look around them at people that they've ministered to and people that they've cared for. They've stood by these folks' side during hard times in their life. They've been to their their funerals. They've attended their weddings. They've been by their bedside when they were in the hospital, and now sometimes they feel totally betrayed. And it's not easy. I've known many pastors to go through such things. And sadly, of course, I've known pastors to betray their own people. And certainly that hurts deeply. Also, when you're betrayed by someone that has called himself a man of God, someone who's called there to be your shepherd, and yet he betrays you. Let us also pray today that even when we are betrayed, we'll seek the face of God and seek His grace so that we might still be able to maintain our trust in others. Sometimes when we get hurt, we say, I'm never going to trust again. It's kind of like love. I'm never going to love again, someone might say. Boy, I've, I've loved, I've loved deeply, and I've been hurting badly, and I'm just not going through this anymore. Oh, you're robbing your life of so much. You're robbing your life of so much. I, I, I determined a long time ago that just because I get betrayed or get hurt and by love or whatever it might be, I'm not going to stop loving it because it's better to love even at the risk of being betrayed. And my friend, when you love someone and care for someone, there is that always that chance of betrayal. You got to accept that. You got to accept that at the beginning. It can happen. I may be talking to parents today and you've been betrayed by a child. 
I may be speaking to a husband or wife and you've been betrayed by your spouse. I may be speaking to a brother today and you've been betrayed by your brother or by a sister. These things can happen and all too often do happen. Maybe you've been betrayed by a co-worker or a close friend. We all go through these things. Have you ever betrayed the trust of someone? Well, my advice to you is it's not too late to repent. Do you really want to align yourself with people like Cain and Judas and Absalom and Satan himself? I, I, I think not. You are greater than your failure. You are greater than the sum total of all your failures. Through Christ, just like for Simon Peter, you can find forgiveness and acceptance even if you've been a cold-hearted betrayer. That's what happened to Simon Peter. Remember that? A Christ-denying, cursing there, that campfire, as I said a moment ago, probably part of that was caused by the fact that he was hanging around the world, and at that moment he had deserted the other disciples also. And that happens so often with people when we get out in the world and we start deserting the church, and, and then before long we become a betrayer, and that often, all too often happens. But you remember the end result of that, don't you? Simon Peter was restored. You know, I've often said, uh, you know, as we look at the, the preacher who preached that great message at Pentecost, who was that? Of course, it was Simon Peter. And I've often said here, you know, he, he wouldn't have been my first choice. You know, I, I mean, is that who you really want to preach that great message at Pentecost? Uh, probably wouldn't have been my first choice, but he was God's choice. And that's all that matters. My choice don't matter, does it? It was up to God. And God said, no, I want Peter. And when Jesus appeared, do you remember what he said? He appeared to the, uh, to, to the folks assembled there, the Bible says, and he appeared to Peter, especially he appeared to Peter because he wanted Peter to know that he was forgiven. He wanted Peter to know that it's going to be okay. I know you feel bad. Boy, you feel low right now because you've denied me. You've, you've cursed. I mean, who, who would want to go hear a cursing, Christ-denying preacher? But yet God said, I'm going to use you. And he did. He used him greatly used him at Pentecost, used him as a, a full life of testimony. You remember the story of Simon Peter or the legend that goes that he was crucified, uh, but, but rather than being crucified like Christ, he was crucified upside down on the cross at his own request, saying he was not worthy to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus. Boy, what a loyal man, but yet there was a time in his life that he was a betrayer. I don't hold that up and say that makes Simon Peter a bad person. I'm just giving you an example that, that that's the kind of thing we all have done. Haven't we all denied Christ on occasion? Maybe not like Peter, but we've denied him by not being a testimony the way we should. We've denied him by not using our spiritual gifts as he's commanded. We've denied him by not praying as we ought to. There's so many ways that we deny the Lord. We deny the Lord by not supporting his church. There's all kinds of ways we can deny the Lord that might not be as profound and visual as what Peter did, but yet we've all done it. Have you betrayed maybe a friend today? Have you betrayed your husband or your wife? Have you betrayed your parent today? How about your brother or sister in the church or maybe your biological brother or sister? Have you betrayed them? Is there animosity today? And you look at it and you say, you know, it's because I betrayed them. I said some things about them. I hurt their testimony. I hurt their reputation. I said some things and did some things I should not have done. I said some things I should not have said. And I betrayed their trust. 
And someone asks you to keep a secret today, and I don't mean a secret that, that would harm them or a secret that would do damage to someone or, or some treacherous secret. I'm not talk, talking about that. I'm just, I'm just sharing something that they innocently shared with you in, in, in privacy. They shared with you in confidence. Have you betrayed their trust today? Seek forgiveness. Seek forgiveness. You, you know, it's hard to find anyone today that you can trust. And that is a sad thing to say, but it is the truth. It is hard to find anyone today that you can trust. A person says, I, I'll, uh, you know, a serviceman says, I'll be there at two o'clock this afternoon. And he don't think anything of it. If he doesn't show up, he don't think anything of it at all. And, and often doesn't even call. Uh, it's, it's hard to find someone. Someone says, I'll do this or I'll do that. And, and you know very well, there's a good chance they're not going to do it. You know that. Someone says, you can count on me. And, well, it's, it's hard to count on folks today. That's just the nature of our world, and part of it is the very nature of humanity itself. My message to you today is twofold. Number one, if, you're be, if you are a betrayer, if you betrayed someone, get it right. You're in the company of someone like Simon Peter who did betray, but he got it right. But you're also in the company of others who betrayed and did not get it right. Choose that higher path today to make things right, to repent, to seek forgiveness, make restitution where possible. But secondly, today, if you've been betrayed, I want to encourage you, encourage you right now. Let others see Jesus in you, in your betrayal, that you'll seek God's grace, that you'll maintain your trust in others, maintain your love. Don't let the treachery of the betrayer rob you of that of that blessing that is my prayer for you today the betrayer we've all been betrayed at one time or another and it hurts it hurts deeply we're talking today about the betrayer it always hurts it cuts deeply i do believe shakespeare was right in his assessment that the most unkind cut of all is betrayal. When someone that you put your trust in, you put your confidence in, you've invested your love in, you've invested your trust in, and they have betrayed you. I know. I've been through it, and so have most of you today. And if you've not, probably the day is coming when you will. You handle it as a Christian should handle it. And if you're tempted today to betray someone, to betray the trust of someone, don't do that. Don't. Don't do that. Don't be in that group. Well, friends, we want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. Until next time, this is T.D. Worthington saying, May God richly bless you is my prayer.